You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back to episode 15 of the Level Flight Podcast. We have a guest joining us later, but as of right now, I'm joined by Brian. Hello. And Elliot. Hey. And we're going to be joined by Jacob Stoller of the Hockey News later, so stick around uh, for some great AHL talk, some great trade deadline talk. Uh, we actually just wrapped up the interview with him, and it went really well, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Um, but we do have some games to cover. How about that? Because for weeks now, we haven't had games to talk about. It's been we have so two long. Games to talk about. Oh, yeah. Way too long. We have the win against Chicago on Saturday night, the, sno- the snoozer because of the start time. 9 p.m. Central. That um, was rough. It was the latest. Sportsnet had a thing. I think it was the latest start in franchise history, local, um, because like other games started at nine, but the puck actually dropped at like 9.09 or 9.08. This one was like 9.15 because it was nationally broadcasted. A me- like unbelievable. Hope you had coffee. But the Jets won. Um, it wasn't the most entertaining game, so I don't know if it kept you up, but what were your guys' thoughts on the win against Chicago? Well, the thing is with that game is it started very slow. Um, but it, I mean, I that might why. be a combo of both them not playing in, you know, 11 yeah. days, but also the fact that it's 9 PM and, you know, it's just something that's a little bit different, you know, for their own actual systems. Uh, but no, it, it was once they came alive, it was good because it was a, a situation where they, uh, they, they managed to get the goals they needed from the top six. Um, yeah, there's not a whole lot else to say. It was sloppy to start. That was really the, the biggest thing there. Um, but no, it was it was good. I heard the crowd was just absolutely just rowdy. Because the $6 beers. They had time. <laughs> they had time before it to get get ready oh, for this absolutely. one. So, yeah. um, no, but I mean, there's not a whole lot to say about that one. It was it, what you would expect from a game after 11 days, but I mean, it, it was a win. So uh, you got to take those ones, especially against a team like Chicago. Yeah, I thought it was, it was slow start, but I, I watched this game mostly. And so it was, it was good. They started to get into a rhythm and then it, they looked better as the game went on, which uh, if you really like, if you really have to take something away with from that game, that's probably what you take away from. They looked better as the game went on. Yeah, and it's Chicago. I mean, like, you've got to beat... I don't care if it's a 9 p.m. start. I don't care if you've been off for 11 days. You have to beat Chicago. Uh, they're yep. vying for Connor Bedard right now. They're not vying for a win. So um, that was promising, I guess, because the way the Jets went into the break, if they came out of it and lost 4 nothing at home to Chicago, it would have been a mess. Uh, but then they actually won a game against Seattle, without Connor Hellebuck in net, with yeah. David Riddick, who played well. But Seattle's a good team. They've been sliding recently. They're on a road trip. They're kind, they've are kind. they lost four out of five on this road trip. But they're still in a playoff spot. The Jets were missing arguably their best player. Um, and they won in a shootout, and Riddick played great. So I, I have a lot more to say about this game because the Jets actually played a half-decent opponent. Um, and the, you got the goals... Uh, the shootout, Shifley's goal was, I can't stop watching that video. That was so really sweet. nice. Yeah. Silky. Um, yeah. And Riddick shut the door. Um, there wasn't much to say. The penalty kill in the first period was amazing. Uh, they killed off that four minute penalty. We're Lowry's kick saves. 
Yeah, Lowry's yeah. kick saves. Those were those were amazing. Beauties. Um, That's what they were. Yeah, exactly. But the Jets controlled play for the majority of this one. I there was there wasn't a point in the game, even when Seattle had like eight minutes of power plays in a period where I was like, the Jets are getting throttled. They still ended that period even in shots, even though Seattle yep. had all those power plays. But they controlled the game. They look great. Riddick looked great. Um, yeah, that's all I really have to say about it, Brian. Yeah, I, I mean, I've got a, a thing that I'm writing up right now about, you know, players that need to sort of be able to step up when needed and Dave Riddick's in there because yep. you need someone not to be Connor Hellebuck because no one really can do that, but you need someone who can hold it down to an extent when you give Hellebuck those days off. Obviously, it was different last night because he was a late scratch because he was sick, um, but if you need Riddick to come in uh, every few games just to make sure that Hellebuck's not getting overworked down the stretch as we head towards the playoffs, if he's playing like he is, like I saw a thing that aside from you know the first game of the season, uh, he's got some very respectable numbers. Like I think he's up over a nine ten save percentage on the season. Um, that that first game with yeah. the against Vegas that he played uh, really just it gave him a really tough start, but he's become what they were hoping he would be as the backup right like he's looking more and more like the big save dave that we saw in calgary when he was the starter there and less of what we saw last year uh for nashville um yeah but no what's what's nice though is you you see a game against chicago and you go they should win this but then you see a game against seattle who has had you know a crazy success on the road this season like they did that eight game sweep of a road trip last month um yeah. and they as you said they controlled the play at one point i think going into the third the jets already had tallied up you know 25 shots and i know that shots obviously there, there needs to be context to figure out how good the chances are but they were pretty good they were pretty good chances there so um no i think they they generated a lot uh they got a really good game uh from uh from grubauer that they had to work around uh, which, once again, similar to to Riddick, um, you know, the teams are better when the goalies that they think should be, you know, performing better are actually performing up to that. And Grubauer was good, but they managed to, uh, you know, figure him out at the right times. You know, Dubois tied it and then eventually got the the winner um, in the shootout. But no, it was it was a, it was a good game. Uh, I was happy to see them, you know, follow that. Uh, that win against Chicago with another good effort. So uh, definitely something I want to see more of going forward here because they play again, uh, I guess, when you're listening to this tonight. Yeah, uh, good good game from Riddick, and they deserve to win that game. I think that's really all that needs to be said. Yeah, and the tweet that you saw, Brian, was from Remus, um, Michael Remus, host, co-host of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah. Um, the tweet reads, since giving up four goals to Vegas in the season opener, Dave Riddick is 19. 9-3-0 and with a 238 goals against average and a 914 save percentage. Uh, and That's he added that terrific. it's pretty good for a backup on a $900,000 contract. Um, so yeah, shout out to him for those numbers. But Riddick was great. Um, the usage, I know we have some issues, especially us three, with the usage of Ehlers and Perfetti. Um, just because Ehlers in overtime just not playing is really bad. And then Perfetti... I tweeted this out, but too often this year when they have a goal going into the third or they're, they're, they're being shut out through two periods, too often Perfetti is the guy that's getting moved down to the fourth line. Um, they started the third that way, and then 
moved him back up into the top six. So I don't even know what that was. But this game aside, the entire year, that's been a theme. And I am not on board with it at all because Perfetti was actually having one of his better games of the year last night. Um, And he wasn't deserving of the demotion. And he gets benched in one goal games with five minutes left because he's small, even though he's one of the most defensively responsible forwards on the team, which makes zero sense to me. Again, um, bonus had a quote about how we want stronger players along the wall, but your stronger players on the wall are worse defensively. So I, I yeah. don't understand that at all, but he was the guy that got demoted. And then Ehlers and OT, I'll let you ramble on about that, Brian, but him playing, I think 25 seconds was the official. He had one shift basically. Um, uh, your most dynamic skater it makes no sense but you can go ahead. yeah and when you're playing wheeler at this point especially at this point in his career more than you're playing ehlers you're you're losing that impact and you need that from him because his whole thing is zone entries and when you only have three opposing players on the ice usually only one or two covering you coming down the ice you have a really good chance of making the miss and you know entering the zone clean and setting something up it's not that he's going to come down every time and you know rip around someone and score what he's going to do is he's going to get the puck in deep with the puck he's not just dumping it in like you know sometimes you'll see in regulation he'll take that puck down and behind the net and find someone coming around because he's that fast um wheeler was like this you know several years ago he was the one that you give it to along the wall and he would peel around the defenders he's not that anymore He's good if you play him every once in a while in overtime because he does still have a little bit of that speed and he can get up on it sometimes. And um, But when you're playing him significantly more than we're seeing Ehlers in overtime, that's a little bit of an issue in terms of what you're, you're looking at and what you want to actually finish up in the overtime period. I, I, I agree because... Ehlers is there, there's stats where he hasn't played a full season, obviously. So you have to look at his rates, his per 60 in points, goals, assists, whatever. He's like, again, a top two forward on the team. It's either him or Kyle Connor in offensive production. And in three on three, throwing it back to a conversation we had on like the first or second episode of the podcast when they started Lowry and Appleton in OT. And we said, this is not a winning formula. And it's carried all the way over. Here we are in late February. They didn't start Lowry and Appleton, but it's the same thinking. It's, I'm not going to play Ehlers because of whatever reason. They're, they're overthinking it. Simply, they're overthinking it. They're trying to play defense too much. I don't know what the the official thing is that they're doing wrong. But one of your top two forwards not seeing the ice in overtime is ridiculous. It's like yep. if the Colorado Avalanche decided not to play Miko Ranton in an OT. It's like, well... Yeah, you got McKinnon out there. You got Nachushkin. You have some good players out there, but it's not Miko Rantanen. Like, that's your second best forward. Why aren't you playing him in OT? It just seems so simple, but it's wild that this is, this is still a conversation because we've been having this forever. But besides that, I, I didn't really have many issues with this game. Um, Elliot, what were your thoughts? I mean, other than that's just silly, but <laughs> I don't really have much else to add. That's about it. Yeah, I I don't know hopefully it gets fixed maybe Ehlers isn't 100 percent. maybe there's something we're missing but that is that is not promising i will say that um yeah all right well those are the two games it's fun to talk about games finally Jeez. um we are we do have the guest portion so stick around we're gonna hear a word from our sponsors but jacob staller from the hockey news is coming up next 
NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Why not try a bet on either the Suns or Clippers, or bet on the over and under for the points for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. Hey Level Flight Podcast fans, this time of year everyone's talking about making the big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time it's pretty unrealistic. Even I've fallen into that, claiming it's time to go to the gym, but next thing you know it, I'm forearm deep in a bag of Chicago mixed popcorn. That being said, i found that actually the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact, in the same way that you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be a part of a big change, even if it's something you use every day. Like buying a pair of Raycons, for example. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. With their portability, your Raycons can be with you as you go for walks, head to the store, or whatever you might be doing. Too cold out? No worries, use them for your daily activities around the house. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last you all night at your next party, Raycons got you covered. And yep, Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Keep them at your desk, in your backpack, or wherever you'd find yourself needing a pair. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. One of my favorite features of Raycons is how they can be fitted to your ear with custom gel tips. My ears can get sore sometimes with other headphones, but these fit perfectly. It also helps a ton when I'm working out too, and they're actually water and sweat resistant. If I'm going for a run, I'm going to sweat. Now I don't have to worry about the sweat getting into the earbuds. But my favorite feature though is their noise isolation. We're all students, so trying to study can be a bit tough if you're in a loud area. With Raycon's noise isolation, I can get to work and be as productive as my procrastinating self will let me be. So, are you ready to buy something small with big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com THPN. And welcome back to our guest interview portion of the podcast. We are welcoming Jacob Stoller. Jacob, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Jacob, uh, as you can see by the background, if you're watching this on video, works for the Hockey News. Uh, got a lot of podcasts going on. You want to plug yourself before? Just yeah. Where are just, you? Where just to be clear, you? I didn't put this up just for you guys. You guys are great, <laughs> but that's a little insane. I just finished recording both my podcasts, uh, the Hockey News on the A and the Hockey News on the E. Um, they're actually nice. not about the letters A and E. They're about the AHL and the ECHL. Um, but if you're super into letters, I'm sure there's podcasts that do that too. <laughs> and obviously, I'm joined by Elliot and Brian as well. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, so since uh, Jacob mentioned the A, the podcast, and we're going to take more of a moose-oriented view on this podcast just because Jacob knows a lot more about the AHL than 
than most of us do. So, you know, why not get that insight? Um, and the most polarizing figure on the moose, not as a person, but as a player, as a prospect, the most discussed is Vili Hanala. Um, Jacob, you broke the story. Was that over a month ago now with that, um, his agent, they were growing frustrated with, with him being in the HL, not getting a chance. Um, I wanted to get your opinion on whether or not you think his ceiling as a prospect has gotten any lower because of the way that the Jets have handled his development to this point. It's an interesting question. Has it gotten lower? Um, I think it depends who you ask. I was on the phone with someone mm-hmm. last night, actually. Um, I was writing a piece about Dustin Wolf, who's a goalie of the Calgary Wranglers. It's actually just went on hockeynews.com if you want to check that out. Um, I promise I will plug everything, every sentence. Anyway, <laughs> so, so um, I was talking to a scout and I just kind of was broaching his opinion on Billy Hanala. And he said something along the lines of he thought that he's an NHL player and he's one of the smartest blue line options they have. I'm like, oh, cool. So then I asked another scout um, who is this scout in the same region, which the Jets are kind of in, like the central. And he said he completely disagreed. So he thought that he was more critical of, of Hanala's sample and, and just whatever so i think it depends who you ask but i believe it was cory prodman had the athletic uh rankings or whatever and i think heinle wasn't on them or I, I can't remember specifically what it was but something where he was eligible maybe because he played nhl games he wasn't there actually so disregard mm-hmm. that anyways has his ceiling changed well i think the thing is, is when he came in at 18 everyone had this idea of like oh my god this is gonna be like the next big thing and I think rightfully so. The guy, you know, the Jets never rush their prospects. Traditionally, the blue line was was thin. Um, I think us four could have played there. Then it was it was brutal. <laughs> um, and you know, Heinle played well. The thing that gets lost though is, I think in all of this, like the question you asked me, Connor, was has it gotten lower because of of the Jets and, and all that stuff? But I think that what people forget is. Billy chose to leave back to Finland after that first year. Mm-hmm. So that's something that people forget about, right? Do I blame him? No. If I was a professional athlete playing in Finland and I had the option to go back to Canada, I bet you I would have taken it. But now you're seeing more and more in the league players staying because of the known benefits. And I think there's actually, I think it's something to be said. And someone else was saying this to me, one of the scouts about you're really losing out on reps and runway when you are going back and going back to that European style. Okay. Then COVID hits. So it's a COVID year. Everyone's like, Oh my God, he should be ready. Whatever guys, the AHL competition in COVID was garbage. There's no way around that. I'm not judging a player by the way they played in that COVID year. Like it's actually hilarious. People are on Twitter being like, Oh my God, why is he there? Blah, blah, blah. Like pipe it. It's ridiculous. Like watch a game. So you go to the last year, 21, 22 best pro- probably one of the best prospects as organization. Mark Morrison said after game five, we saw who Billy could be, right? At that mm-hmm. moment, I even wrote, I'm like, you know what? Billy's on the cusp there. But he's 21. Now he's what, 22? Has he even turned 22? Okay, I can't, I can't remember. I believe he's still 21. Okay. Yeah. So has his ceiling like regressed? No, I think that people are just realizing that like maybe it's just not a Winnipeg that he figures it out. And are the Jets at fault? Maybe. Is Heinle? I don't know if he's at fault. I think that there's just things that happen. But yeah, there's no denying I wrote it the piece. The Jets have not given him the leash they gave Stanley and continue to give him. Mm-hmm. And they even gave Vesalina. Did you guys see yeah. how crap he was last year? He had 50 games or something in there because he was a first-round pick. Why does Villain not have that leash? It's a very fair question to ask. I, I really yeah. believe so. For sure. 
But the one counter I will say, I'm not trying to go both sides. I'm just trying to say I even have mixed opinions about it. What I will say, though, is I, my opinion, is Ville is a very smart player that in the right system and the right people can be a top four guy. And I think that, and I mean that. But let's not forget, there's been times this year where he hasn't been great. And that's fair. But here's the argument that everyone gets to that I fully believe is that Stanley has had so many not good games and continue to give him a chance. And the fact you don't give Heinle one is ridiculous. So that's kind of where I stand on that. Um, but it, it's really, a, it's tough because he he's waiver eligible. This is something that Jets fans don't get. This happens all around the league where the guy that might be ready is going back down. But I think that the fact he had that taste at 18 did well, definitely had his mind thinking he was closer than maybe he was. So that part may be the Jets' fault. That part, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and a False. thing that that also gets lost as well is when Hainala was 18 or 19 and he was dominating in Finland or wherever, the Jets, yeah, like you said, their blue line was terrible. And Garbage. the whole argument of playing a veteran you know is bad versus a young player who might be good, that was all over Jets' Twitter. Lucas Spiza, Nathan Boyu, these guys shouldn't be in the lineup. You should try out the young kid. Why not? Now... The Jets' defense is actually good. Like, their sixth defenseman, Dylan Sandberg, is having a great year. Um, so I don't really know who you'd take out. But then again, that's looking at it right now. In years past, like you yeah. said, Stanley's gotten that leash. Um, Spiza and Bolu, who were veterans at the time that were putting up bad results, got the leash. Um, you just didn't really get the thought process there. Now he's waiver eligible. He's down in the yeah. AHL. And I think I'd say his ceiling has lowered a little bit. They drafted him with top four hopes. I think he can now be maybe a good number four, like a Nate Schmidt, um, a offensive power play guy that moves the puck well in transition. But I don't know if the, the top four, like, like a bona fide top four guy every day, he can reach that. I don't know, but I agree. When I said, I think he'd be top four. I I would agree with what you just said, like kind of in that Mm -hmm. framework. Brian, we'll go to you. What are you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, and I've said this uh, it was quite a few weeks back, where uh, I've always been of the mindset that anyone, it doesn't matter what type of player you are, you need consistent time actually in the lineup, whether it's in you know in the A or uh, playing in the NHL. Uh, and I think a lot of what we've seen and a lot of the struggles with that. Um, I feel like we've seen a lot of him sitting cold because he's been either in the press box or traveling back and forth all the time. Uh, there wasn't many favors being done in terms of him actually getting that consistent play time. Right. Um, but I think his best is when he's actually two, three games into a stint, whether it's, uh, you know, up or down because he's finally at that point where he's warm, he's comfortable. He knows exactly what he's dealing with as his partner. Like I, since he's been back down with the moose, he's just been unreal. Like he just, he's yeah. so exciting. Uh, and it's just, I, I think uh, a lot of it, though, is just consistency, right? And I think that's the, the case with a lot of prospects. Yeah, he just needs to stay some... Like, I at this point, I don't really care where it is. It's just where the Jets think that it's best for him. Just like Brian said, it just needs to be consistent because him up and down, he can't get a rhythm. He just seems to be a rhythm guy. And so if he can't get a rhythm, then we're not going to see good results from him. Yeah, and you touched on you know staying in the same place for a while because he needs to get into that rhythm. The Jets too often would bring him up for two games, pull him out, and then press box him, and then put him in against Carolina on the road in the middle of January. And it's like, well, you're setting up you're setting him up for failure, right? 
Um, I want to get Jacob's opinion on this because right now he's in the AHL and he's dominating the AHL. He's one of the best defensemen in the AHL. He has been for years. And people are saying, well, he's dominating the AHL. His next step is the NHL. I kind of talked about, well, who do you take out? They seem to be rotating Stanley and Sandberg anyways. Um, but do you think the AHL is the best place for his development right now? Like, Grant, like where he's at? Like, like, like are you saying, assuming that he could use yeah. Yeah, like if it, it, would it be better for him to be in the AHL dominating like he is right now, or a AHL. part of the rotation AHL. with Sandberg? No, AHL, AHL, hundred yeah. percent. I think that you're playing 25 minutes a night. You are the guy. You're going to develop on the right side. You get penalty kill reps. Still, he's only 21. Now, with that said, I listen. If the Jets make an upgrade, he's going to be traded. Like. <laughs> Do, do we think otherwise? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Look, I, look at the, I, I the think he's cool. Chaz Lucius is yeah. injured for the eleventh time. Brad Labbert is like doing better now, but I, I don't really know if if you're gonna trade. Like, if Dean wants, him, I don't think the Jets would be opposed to it. But I think you're just starting to kind of see him pop. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, Rucker McGordy, the most overrated prospect in hockey. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But everyone, no, no I'm kidding. I think that everyone is actually the Messiah. I think it's hilarious. I saw someone on Twitter <gasps> say they would not trade Rutger McGordy for Timo Meyer, and I literally had to get off Twitter for a day. <laughs> that's that's terrible. That's that, that's bad. the complete wow. opposite of what we've said on this podcast. That you would trade <laughs> Rutger McGordy. Yes. Oh, one yeah, for, for one. Sure, any of them. One oh, for I think one. anybody's available. 100%. For Timo Meyer, anybody's available. Thank you. So no, but Rutger is he's a good prospect. So yeah, if they make an upgrade, I think he's the guy they dangle because, and you, you kind of ask like where he's the best at. You know when like you'll see a trade where they'll say. The, the asking price is a young NHL player prospect pick, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I think the league or people like personnel view Heinle, even if he's in the AHL, as a quote-unquote NHL play, young NHL player in that deal. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe right. that. So when you ha- that's when you have to dangle. You're not moving Perfetti. They're not moving like, right. like let's get real here. So the next tier of a young NHL player is Heinle fits in that, and I think he will be traded um, if – we get to that, like if the Jets can upgrade, that's kind of what they have to dangle. And I think further to your point, Connor, like I don't think he's going to be a top pair guy. Like, you know, I don't like that's the thing. Like, so maybe to answer your question like 25 minutes later, or however long it's been, maybe his ceiling has lowered, but maybe the reality was he was never going to be a quote unquote top pair guy. And that was maybe mm. people getting excited over like good sample size. Mm. Um, the best place for him is still the AHL. I think injuries happen and he could definitely come in and, and sort of, you know, get into a role seamlessly. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think his, his best chance to earn that role was when Schmidt was out for about a month there, because like I said, that's the kind of player that the jets are molding him to be is like a, a sheltered power play type of player that plays on the third pairing. Cause Schmidt is with Sandberg right now, but, that was his chance to really take it and they rotated him in and out. He did get a stretch of games. He didn't look the best. Mm-hmm. He had an up game. He had a down game. I know um, I just spoke, but can I just say one point? Like the, the yeah. quote bonus made of can we win with him? I think it's a really interesting quote because it's not a matter. Like, I think I agree with what Brian said about and Elliot, what you guys said about consistency. I do agree, but I also think like taking a step back here, this is the NHL. Like let's ignore Stanley, whatever, but like it's all about winning. And there's not much hand holding. There's just not like that. It, there, there's a difference. Like if and Connor, you would know this from talking like Mark Morrison. Well, I mean, bonus is 
Most are pretty chill, dude. But no, but like I mean, most <laughs> NHL coaches are pretty like like it's pretty business kind mm-hmm. of thing. And the AHL guys are more like teachers and helpers. There's a pretty big difference there. And the Cam Whitham quote, I think, is a really important one people forget about. And look at like Ellie Tolvanen. He went from Nashville to Seattle. And like, yeah, he's like Nashville should be bad, whatever. But the NHL, like the margin of error from the best players to the worst is so thin that opportunity is so key. So yeah. if he's not working in Winnipeg, like they don't have the time to do that. And that's why he's in the NHL and why he should remain there. Sort of cut you off. No, all good. We'll go to Brian. Brian, what are your thoughts? Is the AHL the best place for his development or is he best suited as a trade piece, like Jacob said? No, I'm I'm in full agreement there where it's it's just a matter of uh putting the guys that the organization views as the ones that can help them win. And like as you said, it's it's a winning business and um I, I while I think there are certain things that you can only learn in the NHL, I think that there's also situations in which you have to just home your game perfectly and then be the next man up to actually get that opportunity. So when he's down there right now with the moose and he's, you know, playing to his full potential, this is the type of thing that earns him that next man up spot. Uh, but the, the fact of the matter is, is there's just not a spot for that next man up. Um, so in terms of trade talk, yeah, I, I think that uh, a lot of teams would see his potential still, uh, as we said, like he's still quite young um, and say that is someone who I would be interested in, in a, a larger deal and I don't think it's uh, you know unwise to you know use that as a as a as a piece there to actually complete some sort of trade that helps upgrade another area of the team. Yeah, the, his his biggest help that he can be to the team is being an asset in a trade at this point. Like as much as he can sit and dominate in the HL, that's great. Helps the moose, helps the other guys develop because it's a good player next to a bunch of guys trying to develop. But other than that, at this point, it really just should be trying to find him and i think the message to him should be hey we'd love to have you here but it's just not going to work we don't have the space we'll send you off somewhere else where you can potentially develop elsewhere because i think that's just kind of where we're at yeah i i agree and you you talked about him helping the moose we'll move out of the hanala scope now and into a larger uh picture of the moose uh they got ajf he cleared waivers uh, they have Hanela, Chisholm, Gavanka. Their goaltending hasn't lost them games this year. Um, what do you think about their Calder Cup chances? Because yes, they they Hanela could come up at any time if there's an injury. Like you can't really predict that when you're talking about AHL teams. You can't predict NHL players getting hurt and AHL players coming up. But let's say the Jets make a few depth moves. Kevin Stenlin could come back down, who was really good for the Moose. Um, Carson Kuhlman, I don't know if he would clear waivers, but he would come back down. Like, do the Moose, we're not predicting, like, the roster as constructed. Yeah, okay. Do they have the tools to win the Calder Cup? Yeah, and for sure. I, I will say now, they're, like, ninth in the West. Yeah. Which is, like, not great. But, mm-hmm. again, they're just getting players back. But So, ahead. what I will say is, and I kind of noticed this, um, when I was in Winnipeg in the fall and I think it's become a, so the first little bit of the moose season, like with Lucius and Lambert there, the problem was, is you have to create a rotation where you're not really getting the best players in the roster that are in You're you have two young guys that have to be in there. And then the rest of the guys have to kind of rotate it to make it work. So and that's a big contrast from last year where the moose were like a, the definition of a, a quote unquote system team. 
well, that's a cliche term, but the everyone bought in the best guys. They worked, they grind, they, they, they had it all. This year, I think Baumgartner, Dubois, Mo, they've had to root like the first half of the year, they had a lot of little teaching to do because it was a younger team. So that took some wins off the board, whatever. Lambo and Lucius leave, and now it's the group you have now. So for my money, Jansen Harkins, when he's in the AHL, is one of the best players in the league. Yeah. I think that you could say the same. I think Dominic Toniato is a good player. Jeff Malott's one of the best goal scorers. AGF is like a lightning rod. He's He'll skate around there and do whatever. <laughs> um, those are good players. Meyer, Poli Jones, good players. But here's the one thing that, and sorry, and the defenseman guys like uh, Chiz, Kavanka, Heinle. But the, the one kind of thing that I would be weary of is none of those guys, the exception of Harkins up front, are kind of like offensive like game changers. Mm. I, I hate that word, but like, like real impact guys. So that would be my only concern in terms of like the volume of scoring and, and kind of that front of things. But what I will say is like you mentioned, Connor, their goaltending is not losing them games this year. And last year it, it was God awful. It was just so bad. So now you're in a situation where you've got like a deeper team. You're right. They're probably going to add a four or two. So they're going to get guys down there and Look at it now. Your top six could be guys like Tony Nato, Harkins, AJF, maybe Stenland, um, maybe even Carson. Yeah, Carson Kuhlman, as you mentioned, that's a pretty good top six. But yeah. other teams in the league are also going to be getting those upgrades, right? right? Other teams in the league are also getting those guys. And like Milwaukee, for example, could get a Phil Tomasino back. Um, they could would be dynamic, and I mean, he's been down there all year, so that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, if you look at Iowa, Marco Rossi's coming down. He's been on a heater. They could climb up. Like last year, Iowa was like really, really good. And then they lost mm-hmm. a bunch of guys and they went down to the last. So the Calder Cup prediction is very volatile and very all yeah. over the place. And I know it's a stupid answer and whatever. But to wrap it up, the back end, if they have Heinle, Chiz, Gavanka, that could do some serious damage. And I think you saw it. It was tough last year against Milwaukee because they kind of like – just need a couple more to go in and whatever, but but those are probably three of the best defense in the league, and they activate very well. They've got a bunch of good puck diggers, whatever you want to call them, that can forecheck. So there's definitely a good base there, but it's really hard to see kind of how a color cover run would go because like last year, at this time, if not like a couple of weeks later, people were saying that around the league, and I'm being serious here, thought that Manitoba was better than Chicago, who was the the eventual winner because they looked like right. it, right. but. The roster you have on April 6th, whatever the, the date is, is a lot different than one now, so it's hard to gauge. But there, there's a lot of promising pieces on the Moose. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Connor, we can hang out, even if it's not the Moose games, if you're worried about like the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, perfect. Yeah, that, yeah that's all I was there. worried about. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah I uh, I think something, too, and we've, we've talked about the goaltending, and it's, it's very nice to see, especially Arvid Holm, have a bounce back after last season with, you know, essentially running three goalies with, uh, with Burden and Cormier, um, seeing him step in whenever you have a, a little bit of a downstretch there for Salmonen, um, who started off on an absolute terror. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, what matters too is you have to wonder uh, at last year, 
when they were out shooting teams like crazy, but then they would end up losing the game because they, you know, let in a, a, a goal that maybe shouldn't go in. Um, you got to wonder what the trust is like now this year, where they can actually trust that their their goal their goalie tandem is gonna you know make some extra saves for them. Um, and you know, at that point, you can probably you know assume that if you score maybe less goals than you were anticipating, you might still be able to pull that win out. So I think the you know the added stability for the most part from the goaltending tandem I think might be one of the big keys obviously you said you know the offensive game but if they can manage to you know scrape together a fair amount of goals um you know it matters when they can win those close games right mm-hmm. yeah and I think like I got an answer from Eric Dubois I think it was about a month ago that when Hanale came back that after Schmidt uh return to the lineup Dubois was saying that I asked what he brings to the lineup and he said our entire team basically runs through how well our defense moved the puck mm-hmm. so the like and it's it's so true because you watch the moose without Hanala in the lineup and with Hanala in the lineup and having two pairings that can move the puck effectively up the ice as opposed to one because they're going to play Chisholm and Gavanka they have for four years or three years now they're going to play them together uh with Hanala and he plays with Lundmark having that pairing being able to move the puck is so huge. And I, I agree with you guys though. They, they have a lot of playmakers. I just don't think they have a pure finisher. Mm -hmm. Like Alex Limoges is point a game, but he has like a million assists. He's not like going to put pucks in Mm -hmm. like he's obviously scoring, but he's not a pure finisher. Again, Stenland, AJF, these guys at the NHL level are not Jansen Harkins is a finisher, no matter where he plays in the NHL, AHL. He's got, some forechecking to his game, but Dominic Tadonato, like these guys aren't goal scorers. They, they do score goals, but that's not what they do. Um, Jansen Harkins is the closest thing they have to that, but I do worry if they can finish their chances. Cause I know they'll generate them. It's just a matter of having the shooting talent to actually finish them off. So I don't know, but the, the, the puck moving from the back end is so huge. Um, Elliot, what are your thoughts? Or we'll go. To- I mean, yeah, sure. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't have too much to add other than, yeah, they just need to finish chances. That's all it is. Because, you again, you look at their lineup. It's a bunch of guys that create, and it's yeah. not too much finishing. So, it, and it's, I mean, I guess, if I don't even know if you can count bringing somebody. Like, will AJF produce, like, a finisher? Probably not. That's not his he game. He might, though. He because, might. Because, like, in but, the NHL, he's been asked to do this one thing, right? It's like, it's same thing with Jensen Harkins. Yeah. They get passed Harkins in the bottom six to f- play defense, right? And yeah. it's like, so, well, so he know. could, but yeah, unless they like, unless somebody steps up, then yeah, they may have trouble scoring some games and trying to finish, but I, I think they're a good team otherwise. So, but correct me if I'm wrong, Jacob, is that a league wide AHL thing? Oh is, yeah. Like, finishing chances. Yeah. So it's not even yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Like the AHL, the thing is, is like, there's always a high volume of, of chances, but like the biggest difference you watch an NHL and AHL game, I find is even just like. The plays generally like sloppier, so mm-hmm. and you see a lot of that with like the home plate shots, right? The the shots aren't yeah. as on net; they're more wide. Like I can, you know, there's so many times, for example, where I'll give you a perfect example: Jimmy Oligny, Oligny. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty smooth skater. Like like I I always like his game in the HL. I, I don't like people on Twitter that don't understand why he's in the lineup. I, I I like him in the HL. I don't understand right. why you wouldn't have him. Um, but anyways. He's a guy where he's got decent edges. He's got a good hand on the puck. But when he jumps up into the slot, 
for a scoring chance, there's a lot of times where he just nails the, the back of the glass. Like, do you know what I mean? He doesn't really hit it on net as much. That's kind of, to me, the epitome of, of the drop-off there, right? Where you have the guys that can walk the line, do those things. But then when it comes to, like, that one little thing, they're a little bit off. So mm-hmm. um, another example is, like, Jeff Malott, right? Like, he's a, probably one of the best goal scorers in the AHL. Um, but the way he scores goals are, are they're not pretty. Like, they're not, right. like, they're just kind of garbage goals, which is great. You need those. It doesn't matter how they go in. Um, but my point being is, like, would Jeff Malott score 20 goals in the NHL? No. Like, God, no. Right. Like, of course. So there, there's always that drop-off in terms of that. And I think that, in general, like, another team, um, like the Toronto Marlies, they always would have, like, a plethora of chances, like, out-chance their teams, but they could never, like, capitalize and score for stretches of, like, five to ten games. So it's very much a, a league-wide thing. Like, I, I would actually be curious to know, now you've got to be curious, the percentage of shots that hit the net in the AHL versus the NHL. And I would mm. bet you it's a lot lower in the AHL. Yeah, so it's it's mainly, like, I alluded to the puck-moving part of it and how mm. there are different channels in the lineup. The more... The quicker you move the puck up ice, the more chances you're going to get, and sure. lower the the uh, the width of error for those chances that are in the slot. No matter who they are, um, like like we said, Sakumanalainen and AJF and Kuhlman and Stenland in the NHL are asked to kill penalties, forecheck, play defense, and get off the ice. And right. then in the AHL, they're asked to do everything because they are yeah. in the top six, right? So it it may take a guy like AJF, like they have an eight-game homestand coming up for the Moose. It may take him two or three games to be like, hey, I have all this room to shoot and pass. Well, Brandon and- Tanev took quite a bit to, like he came down to the Moose in like 16-17 and he didn't really put up great numbers just because like it was actually hilarious. He would like take the puck and like skate the entire with the ice in circles <laughs> and like just kind of like hold like a point guard. Like he would literally like it was yeah. insane. But he didn't really score by many points and like that's kind of maybe by a product of, of um, a, he's on his game, or B, just really wasn't asked to do that. So it always right. depends. But um, I think AGF could certainly drive a line in the AHL. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. you put him alongside Malot and like Tony Anato, just spitballing. Yeah. That's a driver. You put him beside. Yeah. Um, well, you, you, I think you need guys that can somewhat keep up with him. Like I wouldn't put him with a Cole Meyer, but Harkins. I yeah, think Harkin, AJF Harkin. and Harkins could be dynamite. Yeah, because yeah, they're both be they're both fast. So yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I, th- again, we're months away from the actual Calder Cup playoffs, and the Moose have like two eight game homestands. They have one right now and one in late March, I believe. That's gonna be big. For uh, them. Yeah, those are gonna be huge because, like tonight, well, they're about to play in two hours or whatever uh, against Iowa that's a team that's right behind them in both the division and the conference. So yep. these are huge games and you got to win games at home. And this is the best their lineup has been all year. Because like you said, even at the start of the year, when you have younger guys in the lineup, you're rotating out a veteran AHL player who might provide more, but you have to teach like this is, it's a developmental league, right? To an sure. extent. Um, yeah, of course. You have to develop it Lambert, Lambert and Lucius, but this is for my money, the best lineup they've had all year. So mm-hmm. this this eight game homestand coming up is going to be huge. Yeah. If anyone else has anything, yeah, go ahead. Who do you guys think is going to be the first guy down if they acquire forward tomorrow? Like, who's the first guy? Stenland or Coolman? I would hope it's Coolman, but knowing this organization, yeah, they'll probably Coolman. be Stenland. Yeah. yeah, but like Stenland has been in for Gustafson. Is Gustafson yeah, still I, hurt? Yeah, I'm very. I could see He's it being Coolman oh. or Stenland. Mm. Yeah. If I, I had to I'd pick, I would say it would be 
Stenland. Yeah. yeah. Not that I, I would. Do he's played. Thing. He's played good. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. Which it sucks, but it's just the way that he'd we've clear. seen the lineups be created. I think so, he'd yeah. yeah. I saw online like people were surprised that AJF cleared, and like I don't know why. Why? Why are people surprised? Well, didn't he go fall all the way to us from Washington in the original waiver wire? Like, yes. <laughs> so of of course he's gonna fall. We're one of the last <laughs> teams. So if there's nobody behind us that wanted him, then that's like on Hockey Night Canada when Jeff Merrick was like, "Yeah, we're hearing that Jonathan Harkins uh, could be available." It's like, <laughs> but he was on. Uh, that was so no, weird. Three times he's been like yeah. very available. Yeah, <sighs> he's been available and no one's picked him up. So I didn't understand that, but whatever. Yeah, the AJF thing though. I think the reason people were like how did he clear is because they thought Kuhlman or Mainalainen or Stenland like provide less to the Jets lineup. So it's like if if AJF is better than these three guys on the Jets, how is he not better than some fourth line winger on Anaheim or whatever, Chicago? Yeah, um, I, I think soccer. But again, the, killer. those teams are those teams are tanking, right? Yeah, so it's either. A, yeah, yeah, it's either Tampa Bay is picking him up. Or no, like a contender. Or every no team has an AJF. Up. Every team has a Jonathan right. Harkins. And what I mean by exactly. that is, they have a guy that is in that bubble range, or whatever. And I'll tell you, NHL teams always value their own guys more than the rest. That's why waiver claims are so rare. Yep, that's why it happens. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if we don't have anything else on the moose, we can uh, we can move to the big club. Let's do it. If anyone good to go. All right. Um. So we've made it very clear on this podcast that we want Timo Meyer. Um, okay. I'm sure, I'm sure you're the same. You, like you'd think the jets, like that's obviously the number one trade target everywhere. That's sure. the guy, but are there any other options that aren't Meyer or Chikrin or any of the big names that you think could make a, an impact that's kind of underrated net, like around Connor Garland retained Connor Garland best retained. possible option. Wow. Re- like, well, okay, so here's the thing. Vancouver, um, <laughs> Vancouver, Vancouver. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think they really need to get money off the books to start. Yeah. Um, okay, so I like Connor Garland for a couple of reasons. One, I like Connor Garland because he can play with Lowry. He could play with, be like a, like, you know how the Jets have always needed another top six piece or whatever, like, Mm-hmm. and like Harkins went there at some points maybe I'm confused the timeline but they'd always have a bottom six guy going out Baron Baron yeah. yeah yeah Garland can be that okay and I think I know left and right shot might change this certain situation but I think Garland can drop up in a pinch he can also play down the lineup and I think that's really valuable and he has term so I think those are a couple things that make it really important I think Connor Garland's a really good player um I think that he's been miscasted uh in Vancouver and I think that I go as far as saying his best days are ahead of him. I, I still think he could be a really productive player. And I think Connor Groen's a guy you want in your, in your middle, bottom six, whatever, come playoff time. Mm-hmm. I think the Jets, I don't know how much I'm into the Max Domi thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I can see it either way. Um, I know you said everyone but Meyer, but I, I don't think the Jets can bid for <laughs> New Jersey. Um, I hate to break yeah. it to people. I don't think it's even close. And if New Jersey wants him, they will get him. I think it's pretty cut and dry. Um, but when I kind of look at the the makeup of it, I wonder. Okay, so I I wonder if if a Garland is one option. I, okay, 
I'm not saying I want this person, but I would not rule out it being Jonathan Taves. I, I just really wouldn't Ooh. rule it out. I I wouldn't rule Jeff it out. Merrick. Yeah, Jeff Merrick. Uh, I don't know where it was either on his show or Thirty Two Thoughts said that his hockey heart wants Taves on the Jets because Winnipeg obviously is born here. Um, yeah. But his hockey mind is telling him that it's not the best it's a great of way to put it. moves. And it's, yeah, I, I, I had a little bit of a rant on the this podcast last week saying like spending assets for a guy yeah. that's 10 and a half million. Like, yeah, it's a cool story, but I just am not in on it. Yeah. But yeah, Garland was a, a great call. I think um, Garland's the guy I would go with. We were indifferent last week about that. Yeah, who'd um, you guys say? Just, just because he had term. We were like, you well, don't, you don't like uh, it. Well, I don't know because okay, retained makes it different. If it's like fifteen to twenty percent retained, that's that's not bad. But five million at four years, I said that's a move I'd rather see them do in the off season rather than right. at the deadline. Sure, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if they'd be more willing other um, way. You know, Vancouver. Uh, yeah, I, I. Sorry, Brian. Do you have anything? I'm fully cutting you off. Well, I was on the Garland train on our. Uh, on our deadline episode last week, I was the one who ended up bringing him up because I was also talking about the pros and cons of a player like uh, Brock Besser and how he carries more risk, even with the ret- uh, retention, than Garland would um, purely because you've seen yeah. Besser at his best. Sure. Uh, but you've also seen like his last two injuries have been like shoulder or upper body and uh, hand. Yeah, and he's a and he's a sniper. So it's it's a it's a level of yeah. who do you want to take the risk on with term, and uh, I'm not sure how like uh, deep this goes, but I've heard a lot on whether it's uh, you know 32 thoughts or something that um, the organization really values good term uh, when they're starting to evaluate uh, you know trade targets and everything because they want to make sure that they can plan ahead. Um, yeah. if that's definitely the, if that's the case. Uh, Garland's near the top of my list just because in that middle six, he is, you know, kind of, a, as you were saying, like a Swiss army knife. And I think people have to understand that like I, I, yes, I live in Toronto, but uh, a couple of things. One, I am a very proud Winnipegger. I love the city. <laughs> I'm probably going to be moving back in a couple, you know, months uh, for how long. I don't know. But my point is dating back to when the jets were first here, guys, this has been a problem. The jets can't sign free agents. There's no way about that. Timo Meyer extension, Ooh. it's cute. It's fun. Not going to happen. I'm saying this as a proud Winnipegger. I'm just telling you guys <laughs> that if the Jets are like, it's just not happening for two reasons. One, it's not a desirable market for agency. Two, the benefits, sorry, the the tax situation in Canada isn't great for players and desirable. Those are not starters. And that's why the idea of resigning Timo Meyer is just so out there. Like, put it away, Jets fans. It's not going to happen. So, <laughs> with that said, when you're trading for guys, like whether it's a Connor or whatever, Brian, what you're saying, or whoever you're referencing, it was Jeff or whatever, is right. Because you need Winnipeg cannot sign those guys. They can't. You need to trade them and have cost certainty there. And that's why Garland retained. I, I want to make that very clear. I think that you've got to retain it. I think you're more comfortable a bit above four, you know, 4.2, whatever. Um, that there's a, there's a value there. So... When you're evaluating the Jets' options, you have to look at it from the lens of you cannot get free agents. Not even that there's much good shopping these days anyways because teams are kind of make mistakes then. Um, but And that's what you have to do. Also, does Garland have a no move? I have no idea. I have no idea either. If he uh, does, 
you could probably take it back to that too. Because another thing with Winnipeg yeah. is teams probably have Winnipeg on their no move a lot. So yeah. I'm not trying to be harsh. I want to like say this again. I'm a proud Winnipegger. I love the city. I think it's a great place, and I think it's an unreal city. But I'm just being honest. Those are the facts. So and if anyone wants to tweet me and say, "Oh, but like come here and win," yeah, they don't. They don't care. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, there is uh, no trade protection on him, by the way. He's just he okay. can be moved wherever. That's another benefit. There you go. Boom. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. A lot of that has come up. Um, the the desirableness of Winnipeg in general, just because a lot of guys that are being shopped have no move clauses, and would they waive it? Like Timo Meyer aside, let's say a player is on the Sharks and has a no move clause. Would mm-hmm. you rather lose on the Sharks and hit free agency? Because a lot of these guys are rentals; they'll be up next year. Totally lose on the Sharks. Um, or win on the, like that matters to players that does it seriously does like yes you want to win and yes you want to compete but you're gonna hit the open market I, I I just I don't know and then again if it's modified then you can choose where you want to go mm-hmm. uh, there are other contenders that are bidding for you if, if it's hey. between Winnipeg and it's between the Rangers sure like Patrick Kane was talking about right yeah. um you just would rather go to New York it's a better city but, guys there's no coincidence that like a third of the teams from Minnesota or Michigan. Yeah. It's yeah. It's not a coincidence. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely a hurdle that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, it is. Especially like, when making, Cole when making mock trades. Eight years. I'm telling you, I bet you Cole Perfetti will be here for eight years or whatever. Will. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think. Oh, he will. Perfetti, oh, okay. I think okay. he's the type of guy that would like Winnipeg. I think the yeah. same could be said for Mark Shafley when he signed. Dubois, not surprised. He wants out. And that's what I said. Montreal, Montreal. If I was from guys, I was I, I was there for work um, this past weekend. Montreal, I really almost converted to a Quebecois. Like <laughs> watching that game, this is nuts. Like, like I like I was like young Olay in the press box. Like if I was from Montreal, I'd want to play on Montreal. This is not a hard concept. And like also too, it's like yeah. people are so tough on Dubois with this. Like guys, it's a finite window. Just go out there and try to win. You may lose them. Welcome yeah. to pro sports. Yeah. Exactly. How it works. And they, they have them under team control. So yeah. you're going to get players back. It's not like Dubois walking for free. You're going to no. get Kirby Doc or picks. Exactly. I don't know. Whatever. Um, that would be a great like target, actually, Connor. That would be an awesome target. Mm-hmm. There you go. Kirby Doc, future Winnipeg Jet. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. That'd be interesting. Yeah. It would be. Um, does anyone have anything else we can. Any other targets that we want to talk about? We want to chat about. You brought up Domi for a bit there. We weren't really sold on him just because, as Brian put it, he hasn't played defense in ages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there's anyone else, we can we can chat. But if not, um, that's all. That's all we've got. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think Heinle is traded. If I had to bet. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. I think the Jets are. I think that's how they're viewing it. Yeah. So that seems reasonable. Yeah. We'll yeah. We'll see. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming, Jacob. It was course, uh, it was a blast talking about the AHL. You know, of course, love it. Have me, guys. Guys, have a good thing going. Yeah, we'll have you back on eventually. Um, maybe time. when the Moose are getting geared up for a Calder Cup playoff run, maybe that would be a good time. Trip, Connor. Yeah, yeah. We'll yeah we'll make the playoffs. I'm kidding. We'll be I'm there. all wrapped up in the in the AJF <laughs> the AJF hype train. I'm too yeah. wrapped up. Is he playing to save the Moose? Uh, I don't. He practiced this morning, so I'm assuming so. Yeah, probably. Oh wow, I'm curious what the lines yeah. will be. Yeah, no. Yeah. Be, I think so. Anytime, guys. Right, well, thanks. 
Anytime. Thank you. Thanks Thank you so, so much. And we're back. That concludes the the guest interview portion. Uh, we want to thank Jacob again for coming on. He was great. It was fun for me, at least, to talk about the moose. Uh, I had a really good time. And I hope we can have him back on in the future because that was a blast. Um, totally. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's it's nice to, you know, he definitely was, you know, insightful in terms of how we were talking about Vili Hainala because okay. obviously there's a certain level of, re, you know, realism that you have to hit it with. But then also about just the moose as a whole, because uh, it's impossible to diagnose a team when you have no idea what they're going to look like in a month and a half. So, uh, no, it was it was a great level of insight that, um, you know, someone who watches the AHL game as much as he does, it was valuable to have for us. Yeah, and I hope it can provide people with some insight because of the eight game road trip or homestand. Sorry, not road trip. They're at home for the next like two weeks and there's eight games and. The Moose don't really struggle with attendance, but come watch a game. They're a good team. Um, yeah. They, you got plenty of chances over the next week and a half. So uh, I'm glad we had that conversation now um, and not when they're on the road for another month because they've got some big swings. They've got some big road swings, big home swings. Go out, see a game. They're a fun team to watch. Watch the Jets of tomorrow. Um, and yeah, it was great. Um, from all three of us, we appreciate Jacob coming on and we're going to have more guests in the future. So stick around with us i don't know about next week but we'll see um and yeah it was fun go jets go jets go jets you've been listening to the level flight podcast on the hockey podcast network